Thanks so much for joining us on a frank conversation. As promised, we have part two of my conversation with NFL great Simeon Rice. And I told you, he tackles some tougher topics. Here goes. From the time you entered the NFL to, to now, things have changed. Right. And specifically as it pertains to social justice. Mm-hmm. What do you make of that? Were things really the way we see them now, but maybe behind the scenes? Were these conversations happening in the locker room, or was that something you checked at the door? I got I'm old school. Like, you get, fill me in. What, what is social justice? Right. What is it? Uh, give me a definition of it. As we... Because I hear you, as it sounds like two things coming together. So as, what is that? As, as we look to, to find equity mm-hmm. and equality for mm-hmm. everyone, and, and we know that, you know... Uh, Traditionally, there are individuals who, who have not received that. Mm-hmm. And so now um, we see more people discussing these topics openly as it pertains to race. And okay, racism. okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm, that's why I wanted to you know, mm-hmm. be specific. All right, mm-hmm. so okay. So that's what you're asking me. Yeah, is, is that, is that, uh, has that always been there, that element, or was, is that not necessarily something that was discussed in the locker room? Social justice as relations to relations to race race um nah that wasn't always discussed um no nah, it wasn't always discussed uh when we talk about those things I think it's 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 like my mind becomes a blank slate to it it's like because it's, it's very ambiguous because I'm like you're in America like it's not gonna be equal like, it's like we born into sin and shaped in iniquity. There's problems are always going to be here. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be unequal. It's, it's never going to be equal. You know, you can call out certain things, and the system wasn't made to be fair. Right. It wasn't. You're talking about fairness and how. It's, it was never created to be fair. It's, n- it's never been amended to be fair. Nobody ever amended it to be fair. So how do you have prosperity? You stop, you, you, look, at, you look within yourself, like you, no one's going to save you. <laughs> like, no one's going to save you in right. this environment, all right? It's, it's, it's just not. You know, we could, talk about, we could talk about the ills of society. We could talk about things that won't change. And we, could think, we could talk about certain things that we see change in, and it's cool. But uh, it's social justice. I, I really... I still don't know what that means, you know what I mean, in a society that was men-made systems a certain way. When we look at ourselves, like, we, we are con- we're contributors to, against our, we like, it's almost like voting against your own interests. Mm-hmm. This thing is, it's always been against, it's never for anyone. Syst- I don't know who's running it, I, <laughs> I government to, to own like I mean, there's, it's it's so layered and like, and marred and like ambiguous and who really pushing buttons and stuff like that. That I really just think about, how do you have prosperity? How do you you like focus within yourself? Because in the environment again, this, this we live in an environment where it was never meant to be fair and equal. Like you know and. I live in an environment where I see if you live long enough, you can see lies become the truth. 
So, and you, we talked about the Tulsa thing. Like, you see things because you, you got people that are beneficiaries of what once was. Right. And you have people that have been persecuted for once what was is and what, what, what we ultimately have to overcome. So, we just, in this environment, trying to negotiate our own lives and you like look at where we are now and you're like, yo, I'm going to go from here and this is what I'm going to actuate for myself. But you understand what's, what's stacked against you, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, what has transcended color and all this thing now is finance and money and power. You know, it's like, this is a real life Game of Thrones. You know, it's like, so I, in, my, in, my, in my life, it's like, how do I manifest who I want to become? I stay in that moment, in that presence, and I understand what that is. Because to me, it's when you look at other things, I'm like, this system has been created by a man, and men have put ourselves against ourselves, and we have done this to ourselves, and now we're fighting against ourselves <laughs> to be accepted by ourselves. So it's, a, it's crazy. What'd you make of Colin Kaepernick's demonstration that, that became pervasive? Um, I thought it was, you know, I, I mean, what did I think about it? I'll give you my real. I felt like I thought it was notable. I was like, wow, that's notable. People won't like that, but it was. But in the same sense, I'm like, it's not going to have an impact. I'll watch people change his narrative right in front of them. They just changed his words. They just yeah. changed his words. I was like, this, what? And they're like, no, that's when I, because people are in resistance to accept what has occurred, what happened. People perils because they worried about how that reflects on themselves and everybody look at everything through their own image and their own pers perspectives. So when you look at things through your own perspectives, you have to be willing to accept certain truths, whether they happened or not. And like, how do you work through it? Why would you do that? Why would you want to give up the keys when you're driving a car? You know, conceptually, you know, because it's like you, you don't want to feel guilty for your position. And nobody asking you to feel guilty. Just accept and, and acknowledge and, and be better. But, if, but in that, you feel like you're giving up your social status. So you don't want to. Right. You're like, I, because nobody want to be viewed, nobody want to give up their position, you know, especially in a, on a social specter when they A1, they want to, no one wants to give that position up and no one's asking you to. But that's how it's always kind of like interpreted to those that's in positions of power or those that are beneficiaries for those positions of power. So, and when you get Callan Kaepernick, I'm like, they're not going to stand behind him. And the player is not going to stand. Players right now have the ability to stand really behind him and, like, do a, a mass coup, a mass walkout. But the people don't, the people, the people, we don't really exhort their power. They just kind of go along and get along. They don't do enough research. It's just like, okay, this man just told you it wasn't about that. It's about you know, how black people are being slain by policemen. Like, oh, then you got defenders of that. So, listen, man, if you, you can't get better in an environment where people are unwilling to see certain atrocities that happen, to deal with that. And then you're like, that message to me is like, 
black skin, black people aren't valued in this country unless you're playing basketball, playing football, you know, you're doing something in entertainment, you know what I mean? But if you're a Joe Blow, you know, they, we used to black people being killed. It's, it's just, we used to it. Black people, you know, it's like, that's a very slippery slope because everybody feels something and it's nothing that we talk about is going to ever change that. Do you find discussing race and racism to be uncomfortable? In this environment, yes. Because everybody takes it. Because you're talking about a people that's been degraded over a span of time and nobody cares. So talking about it isn't going to change it. So to me, to ignore it and to live your own life and amass your own wealth and do your own thing is more mind-freeing. It's more liberating. You know what I mean? Because you're living within your own mind. You're creating your own levels of your own hope, and you're not dependent on nobody because you understand what this environment is. When, if it's unwilling to change it, then that was, it was made that way. Why would anybody want to give that up? Like, no one wants to give up the keys to the cars. No one wants, because that's their concept of it, but nobody's asking for that, especially from black people. Black people aren't asking for that. Black people are just asking to be viewed just like themselves equally but again you you create there's been an environment that won't allow that to happen because the system doesn't allow that to happen as far it's, it's like you just it's just all these kubaya moments and nothing ever changes yeah. in terms of that mental health uh is something i recall in locker rooms that was mm-hmm. scoffed at right uh you know i i walked on uh, to my college football team my freshman year mm. and played receiver and quickly realized that's not what I wanted, mm. uh, you know, in terms of taking headshots. Right. Uh, when you're the freshman walk-on. Right. They're calling that. They're telling the defense which route you're going to right. run. Right. And if you catch the ball and score, we're running it again. Right. <laughs> so, right, right, right. So you guys on the defense aren't even taking your drops. You're just right. aiming for my head. Right. And I, I got sick along the way as well. So I let that go. Right. But I say that to say this. Back then, I didn't know that that ringing sound meant that you had a concussion. Mm. Coaches would just, oh, shake it off. Mm-hmm. Got your bell rung. Get back in there. Right. Now we know what that is. What do you make of that in terms of all levels of sports doing better, being better, in terms of diagnosing those concussions? And then also when we talk about mental health as it pertains to uh, depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. those are things that were laughed at, you know, not long ago. I don't like to collude those things together. I don't like to bring those things together. When, when you... No, because you when talk, you talk about, about concussions. You talk or, about concussion. That's a physical. That's a like. That's 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 a physical thing. Right. You know what I mean? I could wake up and be depressed. That's a mental thing. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So I like to talk about those on two different. Let's talk about them as separate entities. Yeah. There. So yeah. as we talk about concussions, right. Specifically, mm-hmm. those appear to be taken more seriously now. Right. Uh, that's a good thing. What? That's a great thing. When? What was the seminal moment with that? What, what you mean? When, when, when coaching staffs and everybody started taking that more seriously, or players themselves. Um, I think throughout time, time is throughout our, our lives. This journey is like at different instances when guys is 
I know at my high school, a kid died on the field after I left from heat exhaustion or something like that and the school was trying. So I think with that in mind, those moments when you find a, a true vulnerability when someone is out of here, you got uh, some of the players that we heard about. Died on the field. Yeah, you know, you died on the field through heat exhaustion. When you have things like that happen, and, and especially with the NFL highlighting some of the guys that dealt with CTE and they writing letters about how their brain and how they, you know, have these headaches and things like that, things, that's when it started really being taken serious because of what guys has been going through. You know, and then, you know, you wake up and be like, okay, I remember having headaches, putting on the helmet and things like that. And I think that, again, led people to start taking it serious. Like, okay, maybe I have to start paying attention to this more. Maybe I have to start uh, dealing with this better as opposed to saying that he's okay, get back on the field. Like this warrior mentality. I think, you know, you're like, okay, we are vulnerable people. You know, life is very um, fragile, right? Fragile. Yeah. yeah, and then separately, as we discuss, uh, depression, anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, those things lead to like those things left under control lead to very disastrous situations like suicide and things like that. So, uh, again, with that in mind, but nobody makes it out alive. You know, no one makes it out alive. So you have to be you have to be discerning with yourself on how you deal with that on how you stand and not letting your lowest low be your lowest low and your highest high be your highest high and that everybody's walk is different you know and getting therapy and talking to counselors and meeting with the right people and you know some people are just predisposed to always kind of feeling bad you know some people are just always super excited and they don't feel bad that much you know so that's a dynamic that you know, that all athletes and all people I think kind of have to decipher for themselves to see, you know, how they're going to deal with these issues. Because some people, just because they down, you know, when they're feeling up, they up. When they down, they down. And bipolarism, all those different things, mechanisms that work on you, kind of your, how it views your perception and excuse your state of mind or your state of being. So it's, yeah, that's, that's a thing that's going on right now in society that's being taken serious especially with athletes and stuff like that everything under that umbrella proves that none of this is new it's always been going on right um having said that now we have athletes michael sam athletes who are mm -hmm. saying i want to be myself unapologetically mm -hmm. all of myself mm -hmm. and that means coming out of the closet identifying mm -hmm. as gay and you know some of them to their surprise they've been embraced with a warm embrace mm -hmm. and you know I, I, I've got to think if that keeps someone out there who hears that story from harming themselves or feeling less than then part of that mission mm -hmm. whether it was intended or not has been accomplished right I don't know I don't know anything about it I can't I'm, I'm not qualified to even talk about it. I don't know what one would go through going through those things you know what I mean so in terms of that, I, I can't even imagine with somebody that's not really dealing with their personal issues or their moral issues or how they feel about themselves coming out, not coming out. I don't know what that does for them. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's a journey. If, if, if I'm pushed to give you an answer, I think that's a journey that you'll always have to deal with. Conflict with inside of yourself. 
regardless to because to whom or what you could say whatever to society is to thy own self be true right whether you come out and tell people your issues that you're dealing with yourself whether you don't those are issues that you're dealing with personally that you need to to uh to be able to wrangle to be able to be accepted by because i mean to be accepted by society is one thing you asked me of a uh, uh question earlier about um uh, equality and we're talking about like how do you deal with that you like as long you have to accept certain things like if you're if if you're in a position where you feel as though that you're part of a community that has been um that's been persecuted, that's been degraded on, that's been not held to us, not viewed or valued, then you have to look to, you know, I'm black is beautiful, I'm black and I'm proud. You got to look at yourself and be like, I'm okay. I'm okay, I know who I am. And I'm not about to let a man, any person, I'm not about to allow any man to value my worth. I know who I am. So I'm not going to look for you to, to, to uh, champion my situation. Right. I'm going to do it myself not worried about that even in this situation i'm not gonna look for someone to validate my sexuality or who i am as a person i'm gonna do that you know so i have having pride in myself from from whatever it's worth we'll do that when you stop looking to for everybody else to accept who you are you don't have to be accepted by anybody mm -hmm. you just you know who you are anyway that's in the thing that's talked about anyway you know like I'm of the mindset of this. Until you have start having sex, you don't know what type of sexual preference you are. Too, you start behaving. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just what it is. Uh, so, you know that's something that I mean, unless you're gonna be on uh, what, what, like what you're gonna be on a locker room talk. Like yeah, we right, all behave right. a certain way. Like you're gonna be a part of the team. You're a part of the team. You know we don't know. You know guys, guys act as uh, as a certain way and they come out later. Like. That doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Just what matters is if you coming in and you practicing and you playing and you you uh, contributing to winning football or winning basketball or whatever you are, you're in a board meeting and you could do your job. What you do sexually is your personal preference anyway. I think that final part is is what I was curious to know about, the fact that it doesn't matter that a person ultimately is making a positive contribution. Right. You talked about that journey to get to the pinnacle of the NFL mm. and that brotherhood. It doesn't happen every single season. It's mm -hmm. not easy. Sometimes great players don't make it. Sometimes great right. players don't win that ring. Correct. We know players out there who just switching sports. We think of people like Charles Barkley. Right. Phenomenal. Right. Like ran into Michael Jordan. Right. Uh, like a lot of people in the 90s. Right. You have to have a great situation. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, as you mentioned through free agent, free agency I should say you were able to kind of see mm -hmm. how something could work really well for you and that would be a great situation for a great player you being that great player right. alongside other great players we had a player who's been to the Super Bowl numerous times right who has won se seven Super Bowls yeah what as a former player at the highest level right what do you make of that I mean I feel like he's a winner I feel like he's programmed to win uh, I felt like he was in an environment that was that he was able to take advantage of the opportunity that was that he was able to manifest. He created an opportunity by being the best uh, quarterback in his division 
with the Patriots and to be in the game to be. Now it wasn't a top pick. It wasn't, but he had a, a level of desire, and, he, and I think he carried that chip, that chip that we talk about, that proverbial chip yeah. that with him that whole time. When you're not a top pick, he, and he came in the way that he came in, in terms of it's being speculative. He wasn't supposed to make it. He was overlooked, not projected to be one of the best, and he becomes one of the best players of all time, and especially at his position, the quarterback position. That that hunger ignites him every year because he has, he can harken back to remember uh, how his his introduction into the NFL was. He came in, he was behind a, a guy, and he wasn't starting, and he was, you know, clipboarding and trying to learn the game. And, again, he was just trying to make the roster. And when he got his opportunity, he never let it go. And I think a lot of times in life, the best things come from the worst uh, situations, what appear to be the worst situation, because that's where the desire is created. And once you start that level of desire, once that ball gets rolling, all the level of success that you had, because it wasn't necessarily bestowed upon you, because it wasn't projected to be that, then you, 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 you really value it different as opposed to this silver spoon person that was given a situation because he was a uh, cache number one pick. So you, you learn to, to always be very humble but very uh, hungry in the same position that you've been in so you can continue to create and manifest winning. And I think that's what he was able to do. Mm-hmm. And you haven't had a chance to see what, you know, uh, the fine-tunings of training camp practices, preseason, all that good stuff has produced. But is it safe to say as hard as it is to get one, it's hard to repeat? Yeah, it's super hard to repeat. Yes. Yeah, it's hard to get one. It's hard to get two. It's hard to get three. And then to get seven of them, that's, that's amazing. That's what lets me know, he, you know, he, of course, it's a, t- oh, it's a total team game, but there's a narrative in it where he is the the straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Outside of football, as uh, I know you're not occupied with practices and workouts with the team as you once were, what keeps you busy? Man, um, what keeps me busy? I train a lot. I yeah. do a lot of that. I do a lot of traveling. I do a lot of investing. I invest a lot, but that doesn't really keep me busy, but that keeps me Swinging for the fence. That, you Keeps know, you competitive. That, that keeping you competitive. And those things been going very well. But really the fact that I've been able to, uh, I, I, I constantly find out what moves me, challenges me. And I'm, I'm always doing that. You know, you come out, you can always find me in some gym. or You know, I'm always working on script writing and directing films and things like that nature and working on those type of things. So, those things excite me, you know, to be working on films and to... That's awesome. Uh, putting together projects. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. So this is... Uh, I'm expecting to see all the awesomeness um, and its fullness just like we've seen on the football field with yeah. this film project, these film projects that mm-hmm. you've got going. Yeah. They've been, they've been going well. Uh, I have one uh, that I put out on Sully. It went well. It was a tough process, but 
I enjoyed it. Yeah. I learned so much about it. You know, uh, coming out of film school, that was a very, a very daunting task, but it was it was worth it. And just challenging myself, man. I, I live within my passion. I feel like that's when I get the fullness out of this life, living yeah. within my passion. And it keeps me from all the distractions, from all the other things that's going on because I'm so locked into what I'm doing. So it's fun for me because it's like, it's to me, to life is to research yourself, to find yourself, because that's where the growth is. So whether I have a level of things that I complete, whether things are still outstanding that I have to finish, it's all on me. You know, I, I, I truly, I'm an absolute believer in 100% accountability in myself. So I don't have to ever point the blame at anybody. I don't care what it is. I don't care how it comes down. I look at what I could have done to affect things in my life. Because at the end of this thing, I'm only going to be able to blame myself for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is my stance. And this is my mentality. And this is how it's always been for me. You just answered my final question in terms of who you see yourself as now versus when you first entered the NFL. Right. You know, um, I know that Hall of Fame speech is going to be fire when it happens. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's another. That's that's funny for me. You know, uh, I look back and I'm like, I was at the I was at the facility, right? I'm at the the, the stadium, and I'm like, look up, and they're like, yo, Monty's my guy, by the way. Yeah. But they go. Simeon, you come into Imani's Ring of Honor, and I look up, and I'm like, Imani in the Ring of Honor, too? <laughs> I'm like, everybody has benefited from me playing down here but me. Right, like, right. Damn, like, you know, and, but, and I say that, and I, laugh, and I can laugh and say that, and I'm like, bro, like, I look at it again. I said it to you earlier, never let a man determine your worth. You know, whether I enter in the Hall of Fame, whether I don't, like, now I really don't, I, I don't care because my mother and father is not here to enjoy it. Again, I told you I gave them everything I had. And I really wanted to give that yellow jacket to my pops because that was, I felt like that was his moment. The fact that I won't be able to do it, it that hurts me, you know what I mean? So for me, I, don't, I know I had a Hall of Fame career, one of three players that averaged double sacks his whole career. And, you know, I was able to win a Super Bowl. I was four-time All-Pro. I did everything you can imagine, you know. Yeah. So, I'm, 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 I'm fully. If I had to come back as myself, I just want a part two, you know <laughs> what I mean? But I'm fully. I'm, I'm so happy and so overjoyed with the career that I had and the things that I've done because those are facts. You can't change the fact that you, you can't even confirm the fact. You know, that doesn't confirm who I am. That doesn't validate who I am being in the Hall of Fame. My my life has been a Hall of Fame life. I come from the south side of Chicago, Roseland. I won a state championship. I didn't win a national title, but I won a, uh, you know, I was a part of a team that had the second longest uh, shutouts in the history of Illinois, 10 shutouts, the best defense in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And then I would go to a defense at the University of Illinois. We're the best defense there. Then the number one defense with the Arizona Cardinals, you know, two games away from the Super Bowl when I was there, you know. Hadn't beat the Cowboys in umpteenth years and over 20 years in the play playoffs. Did that. Then come here and win the Super Bowl. I'm like, it was an amazing run. Then we become one of the greatest defenses of all time here. So that's a narrative. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So I actually done it. 
You know, I did all that. So I got no more to prove. I'm happy with where I am. All right, you've been listening to a frank conversation with me, Frank Wiley, and Buccaneers great Simeon Rice. You know, you can watch Simeon on our Sunday morning show, The Blitz, at 11.30 during football season as he and our game day crew break down the games and look forward to the next week. Well, until next time, you have a good one. <laughs>